Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, this is Eliza, and I want to say, even though it's middle of summer and sunny during the day, we are in the middle of what we call our winter. Have you guys noticed every morning and night it's cold and foggy, and you got to put on like a sweater? Yep. Yet we get no sympathy from the rest of the country when we complain about how cold it is. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> no so. Like, you know, it's by so noon, right. it's a nice 70 degrees again. I know. <laughs> uh, hey, let's get to who is here with us. Uh, let's see. Let's start with in his garage, always cheerful. It's Bagel. And this is COVID cast number 21. Thank you for keeping track. You're welcome. I know. I can't wait to get everyone back in the studio again. Let's make it at 22. <laughs> and uh, making it home just in time for the cast. I don't know how, because I was yelling at her. You got to go home now. Yeah. Uh, it's Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. Yes, I rode like an idiot. Rode like an idiot, darling. <laughs> Did you give it the beans? <laughs> I gave it the beans and then some more. Ooh. I gave it the, the only way to ride. Yes, I gave it the uh, the old pork and beans, actually. <laughs> okay, it's going to a weird place. Uh, and beaming with pride for a reason we will about to reveal, it's Micah and Charlie. Yo, yo, wiki, wiki. Scratching rims and breaking beads. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Pretty much. Let's see. And uh, yo, gracing us with his presence. Yo, it's Mike. <laughs> what? Press the button. Press the button. You're still you muting yourself, mute? dude. You're muting yourself. Yeah, try it again. I'm good. You're can you good. Hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Can you hear me now? <laughs> now you <laughs> muted yourself. Oh, there it is. Yeah, you're going in and out, dude. Hey, but um, yeah, you're in your new garage in the new house with all that room. You got a drum set. You got cool bikes, dude. You're living the dream right there. Well, I'm trying to share the dream too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Such a nice guy, man. Still waiting for the invite. <laughs> Mike, you are cutting in and out, just so you know. So I'm not sure if it's your connection. It's the audio. Yeah, it's your audio is cutting in and out. So you may yeah. want to check into Put that. Put your mic up. And then, uh, lastly. Uh, I'm glad, Bagel, that you're keeping track of the COVID cast, but we have another way of keeping track. It's by the length of his COVID hair. It's Knock. Nah. <laughs> what you making? Oh, not, not a good sound, man. <laughs> it's called a rum and twist, and I learned it from Phil. Ah. From Cleveland Meadow, and I can't so stop. Is it rum, but with a twist of more rum? It's, uh, it's, it's definitely dark liquors in there. Wait, was that called a Rona twist? <laughs> a Roman twist. And I haven't been able to find the recipe until like a, a few weeks ago. There's only like one good recipe, so. It's called the Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can stop shaking that damn thing. <laughs> I can't wait to see him uh, show up with his hair in a ponytail. Dude, I could totally do a ponytail. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, let's get with... um. 
We've got some newses, uh, but let's start with the big news. Micah, what did you do this weekend? Uh, for the past week, I've been in Vallejo because I, as of today, am officially a CMSP instructor. Yay! Round awesome. Yeah, I'm super, super excited. I worked so hard coming up to this. I studied forever and ever. And then this week was incredibly taxing and really difficult, and I wasn't sure I could do it. And then I did, and I passed. Well, you know what? You're a person that strikes me who uh, whoever put whatever puts their mind into something, you'll do it. That you was know? the plan, and I yeah. did it. <laughs> yep. Awesome. I, I'm a little perplexed, though, why it's such a rigorous program for something that I can teach someone how to ride in 15 minutes in the parking lot down the street. Because you can teach someone to ride in the parking lot for 15 minutes down the street, but you can't teach someone to ride safely in 15 minutes in a parking lot down the street. I beg to differ. That's I fun. teach them to ride, and then I say, don't don't get hit. Yeah, so the program is, uh, the main goal of the program isn't to get people licensed. The main goal of the program is to use research to reduce fatalities and crashes with injuries on the street well you know it's like instead of just seeing if the bird flies and like letting it leap out of the nest you like gracefully edge it onto the you know steeper and steeper edges i'm curious uh, how big of a difference that makes in in theory it sounds good but like uh i i know at least for emma and i maybe bagel right have you been writing long enough that it was just here's your permit now go out and learn good luck Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Well, kind of. Um, I, I like how you're just shitting on her the, from the get-go. Not shitting on her. I no, just said in theory it makes sense. No, but I, I, I did take the motorcycle safety course, you know, before I really started riding. Um, I mean, before that, I had I'd hopped on, you know, a couple mini bikes, you know, a handful of times and, and this sort of, ridden bicycles. So... I kind of had an idea of what it was like, but really didn't have the practice. But, um, you know, once I take, took the motorcycle safety class, um, you know, and had my permit and everything and could actually get out and ride a little bit, you know, that's, I kind of eased myself into it, but, but having the class was immensely helpful. You know, um, follow on training, I don't know. I don't have a statistic on basic training, yeah. but taking follow on training, uh, it has shown to decrease fatalities by 37 to 62, I think, percent. Yeah, I, I mean, believe that. Emma, you know, I, I think a lot of us agree that we would be better off with tiered licensing, but the next best thing is the education right. that we didn't have the generation ago that everyone gets now. Right. So I think it's a move in the right direction. Back in the day, back in my day, there was nothing. You literally got on your bike and rode. And the worst part about it was... The the was it the cobblestone streets you rode on? Well, you, well we're going to come to that. <laughs> because the people in the cars had no instruction either. Right. So you had no experience. The people in the cars had no experience. You were dodging dinosaurs, you know. <laughs> You'd be riding along with your stone wheels and this pterodactyl would come out of nowhere and try to pluck you out of thin air. It was a terrible time, terrible time, darling. Well, Mike, I, I can't think of a better person to because you said that you love education. You love taking all these classes, which is something that we don't do enough of. So I think you carry that passion of learning 
over. Um, I'm curious, do you think you're going to continue learning different styles and becoming a trainer for like adventure riding or track or stuff like that? Absolutely. I love teaching motorcycles in general. Um, and I, as soon as I taught my first first rides course, I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Um, and there's absolutely ways for me to continue teaching within total control and CMSP, but also, uh, I intend to eventually be teaching with road rider, um, and teaching with other classes. Um, I think one thing that can really help you, and this is, I, I just, you guys, I just had a great idea. Um, as you know, we always say that women and men learn differently. And, and in general, women seem to be more receptive to instruction. Men seem to be like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Not always. But I think to better prepare you for those type of students, how about if one day if you get uh, Bagel and, and Nock and Emma and I as students and you can be <laughs> our teacher? Yeah. Sure. Do you think you can handle that? I'm absolutely happy to try. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm contractually obligated uh, to do at least one personal development uh, course or something within my motorcycling or teaching abilities per year. Uh, so are we taking okay. bets on how long it takes for someone to like insult Micah or something like, oh, fuck off. I know what I'm doing. Well, no, I think if you can teach. <laughs> you can't teach me anything. I think if you can help <laughs> knock by teaching him how to keep his front wheel on the ground. <laughs> It's not about it's not about keeping it on the ground. It's about gracefully setting it back down. <laughs> this is correct. <laughs> you know, you know what they say: smooth the is fast. Micah, <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to instruction from you, darling. I will be an open book, and I'll absorb everything you tell me. Awesome! I'm excited. I'm a horrible student, Excellent. just so you know. <laughs> Liza is going to be telling Micah to fuck off. It's not so much fuck off. It's more like, but why do I have to do it this way? Why can't I do it this way instead? Why can't I just look at the ground? No, so actually that, um, what we're trying to do is uh, total control is an entirely evidence-based course. Is, is, so is, by any chance, do you have a cat sitting on the microphone? Uh, no. It just got muffled. Okay, yeah. Oh, it was Charlie sitting on the microphone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. possible. Um, yeah, total control is an evidence-based course. Um, and so a lot of our curricula is based, and ability to teach the curricula is based off of um, how well we are able to like describe these evidence-based uh, subjects. So if we can't tell you why you should do something, we're not going to teach it. All right. Well, Perfect. and if you could, awesome. I, I would like to learn how to wheelie if you can teach me that. Yeah, I'm going to have to learn first. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. So where are you going to be teaching? Just um, first rides for now? So I am actually going to be working with Pacific Motorcycle Training. They work or they have uh, two ranges in they've one in San Jose and one in Salinas that I'm already signed up to start teaching at. And then I'm hoping to get into some of the Santa Cruz uh, ranges as well. Hell yeah, dude. Local. Yep. Nice. That's awesome. We um we actually had a kid show up today, a kid. He's a very large man. Um who uh Emma, do you remember his name? I can't remember his name, but he just bought his first bike from someone at the garage, a GS500. 
Yay, that's awesome. He doesn't have his permit or hasn't taken the class yet, but he was sent in to get gear. And we had, uh, we get, gave him a helmet, a jacket, pants, nice uh, Kevlar jeans and gloves. And he was so stoked. And he's going to be taking the class, I think, next week here in Cabrillo. That's awesome. He was quite a large fellow. So I'm I'm thrilled that we managed to get him out because he was a big guy. He was tall mm-hmm. and he was he was wide as well. He was he, he professed to having been a rugby player. Which he, I oh, wow. Yeah. And we did have a guy that dropped off a bunch of uh, gear who was a, a larger guy a while back. So I'm I'm hopefully that some of that went to him. It all comes around, Bagel. It's all part of the big scheme of things. Yep, yep. But yeah, Micah, we've got plenty of gear here, as you know. So hopefully you can start bringing some more people in and we can be gearing them up. I love that we're able to take this donated stuff and give it to somebody who otherwise is riding around in a T-shirt and jeans, you know? Absolutely. I hope so. Nice. Well, um, do you, are, what's the next class that you want to take? Oh, the next class I want to take? Um I don't know. I was trying to think about that earlier. I would love to do more dirt riding yes. and I'd eventually love to do some adventurous stuff once I have a more appropriate bike for it. Nice. Well, speaking of inappropriate bikes, Emma. Yes, darling. You, uh, you helped me out today with my new bike. Well, that's not the first time I helped you out with that bike, is it? No, you helped me. Actually, here's the here's the rule, just for everyone listening. If Emma sends you a message and says, "Go buy this bike," don't ask questions. Just buy the bike. Just <laughs> just done and done. Well, no, I'm thrilled to have been elevated to that status. But here's the deal. I was. Um, I was actually scrolling through Facebook Marketplace while I was on my treadmill. And I saw a bike knowing it was one of Liza's dream bikes. Mm-hmm. And the price wasn't bad. And from what I could make of it, I thought this might be a good prospect. Now, it might have been a good prospect for me because I like them too. But my life is centering around my Trident. So... As a dutiful friend, I called up Liza and I said, Liza, look what I found. And I sent her the link. And you followed it through and you bought it, didn't you? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got the CX500 Turbo. And we mentioned it last week on the show. Um, It didn't have keys. It wasn't all together not a lot of story on it because the owner had died. So it looks like a bike that had been in the process of being fixed up. Um, so not knowing what you're getting into, and especially on a bike like that, you don't know if you're getting into like it's needing parts for the turbo or something and you know, you're screwed. <clears throat> so I got a, um, a new ignition and gas cap. And uh, here's 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 a new tool to add to our cool tools list. Uh, Charlie got to practice with it today. I pulled out my lock pick set, so I was able to pick the lock on the other gas cap and remove it instead of drilling it out and destroying nice. it. Nice. Yeah. So uh, put on the ignition, put some gas in, went and bought a battery, hooked it up, and that thing started right up and purred like a kitten. Nice. And from what I can tell. 
my best guess, this bike is mechanically sound. It looks like the brakes, oh, yeah. suspension, the engine, everything has been gone through and done. And that the next step was the cosmetics. Uh, that's why it has a couple sets of plastic, stuff like that. Nothing perfect. Just, just different versions of dinged up. But 100% there, aside from some little clips and little pieces to put some of the things on that we can fabricate. Um, uh, I should point out, um, forgive me, I'm eating chocolate, mm. specifically Ghirardelli Caramel Squares. These are terribly good. Um, it's good enough to ride as it is cosmetically. Yeah. There's nothing really wrong with it. I mean, it's got patina. Um but all the graphics are on there, all the um, all the colors there. I mean, Honda, when they came out with that bike, they wanted it to be, look at me. So they painted it pearl white, gunmetal gray, mm -hmm. and fluorescent orange. And I mean, it was fluorescent paint. But the problem is fluorescent paint is very reactive to UV light. That's what makes it fucking fluorescent. And so it fades very quickly. And yeah. yours has got a couple of panels that are just the most vivid orange fluorescent mm -hmm. and a couple that have gone to white. So um, I think you should take Knocko and just, you know, carefully cut out his fluorescent orange sticker and just redo the ones that have gone to white. Mm -hmm. Really perk up the bike. Um, but I'd leave it as it is. It looks good. So... Yeah. I mean, I love how '80s that bike looks oh, in terms of color scheme, but yeah. like it's it's still kind of like a modern color. It's like understated oh, gunmetal and that pearl and that and that the gold wheels, orange. the gold, yeah, the wheels. gold wheels. It looks oh. fucking good, dude. Yeah. So here's the the thing. This is a bike that I've just long been fond of, but I've never wanted to ride one. Have you guys ever had that where you're just afraid you're going to be so disappointed by it that you just you want to just adorn it? I, you know? I've got an equivalent. Yeah. And a lot of people will understand that. You've got to be careful of celebrities that you hear or worship. Mm -hmm. Because, and I'm not going to say who it is, but um, there was a musician who I thought was just the greatest thing. And to a certain extent, musically, I still do. But then you meet them. And they're a complete knobhead. Yep. And you've got to be careful, you know, because you're looking at them in the context of being a musician and you think, yes, they are the greatest musician in the world. And to a certain extent they are. But that doesn't mean that they're not – well, it doesn't mean that they're going to be a decent human being. You can be the most appalling human, human being and a good musician. So – so I the CX does kind of fall in that category. So we got it was running, and we kind of put some of the plastics back on. Um, and Emma went out for a test ride, and I'm like, oh, you know, I haven't even ridden it yet. And but but I also had that hesitation of, oh, am I going to hate it? So I went and mm -hmm. took it, um, just rode it down the street. It was one of the scariest things I've ever ridden. <laughs> it, it wouldn't drop into the turns but then it would suddenly turn um and it felt really um like the suspension front suspension was like jerky um i didn't like it at all and i came back and i was like well you you knob you got to put air in the tires I was like oh <laughs> i assumed it had been checked when she had gone for a ride um so 
<laughs> put air in the tires, put air in the suspension. All right, I'm going to take it out again. I took it down the street. Now suddenly it's dropping into the turn. Now it's feeling more like a modern bike, not one with a bad head, you know, head bearing or something. And I'm like, I was getting into it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go uh, up and do like a big lap around the, the neighborhood so I can kind of wind it up and try and hit that turbo. And I finally got where I was able to open it up and it, and then it kind of like shimmies and jiggles your butt and wee and it just it has that little goose at the end uh so i got to feel it i'm like ooh, oh and it's not just that burst of power it's like that little uh, how do you describe it i mean like it sh- vibrates your butt it's like a, it's very <laughs> there's all your senses like a prostate exam it's, it's warning you that something's coming. Some, like all your senses are triggering. You're feeling it. You're hearing it. And uh, then I tried it again and I wind it up and we were dead. I was like, fuck. I ran out of gas. And, and then the phone call. Well, and it did run out of gas, but I don't think it was any um, lack of fuel that you put in it. I think that the the fuel pump has launched a formal complaint with the United Nations. Yeah, and so has I, actually, <clears throat> and it doesn't surprise me. So I wrote it and I broke it today. Yeah, um, but I think that's a great result. So How next so? week, no, next week. I mean, it starts, it runs. So uh, I, I I know nothing. Is this an inline fuel pump or is this in the tank? No, it's separate fuel pump. It's quite a okay. big thing. So um, this is it, something should be easily attainable or repairable. Oh, uh, you'll you'll have to get a knockoff one. But well, so hold you, on one second. <laughs> You've been accusing me of buying knockoff stuff the whole time. Yeah, but that's if you have a choice. You may not mm. have a choice with this fuel pump. I actually went on to Honda, um, one of my favorite motorcycle suppliers, and you can get nothing for that bike. Yeah, mm. nothing. So um, <clears throat> I may have a fuel pump that'll fit it. Actually, a couple really cool things about it. First of all, everything on the dash works, including the clock. That surprised me. Oh, second yeah, of all, the best part. <laughs> second of all, it has the reason that we know is the fuel pump. It actually has a fuel delivery like. button that comes on when it's doesn't have pressure, adequate pressure. So it ha- or a light. It has a light on the dash to tell you there's an issue. But it it has another thing that is straight out of uh, uh, Tron. Yeah, or Tron. Yeah, there's a gauge on it that says turbo with with bars on either side, and when you rev it up, the bars extend. Oh, the boost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it gets better than that. It's kind of like seeing sound waves, or yeah, it's it's, it's an RPM gauge for the turbo, right? Yeah, it isn't. It isn't. Hmm. What it does, if it's working properly, as you rev it, it starts in the middle and the bars go out on either side, so it kind of pulses. Yeah. But then when it boosts, it spools up. It changes from green to red. And mm-hmm. then it'll show you show you how much boost you've got. It's quite a thing. Yeah, it's, it is quite the thing. The gauges are pretty cool. So cool. it's growing on you. So um, well, let's just say uh, I, I want to wrap this up we'll have more to talk about this in the future but i want to say a couple things why this bike is so significant we've been doing the research so uh from my understanding it's honda's first drive shaft v-twin engine turbo 
V-Track, um, the anti-dive front suspension, and fuel injection. All in one lot. bike. Wow. Not the first not the first shaft drive. The gold wing ah, beat it. Did it? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. However. Yeah. Um no, all the other things first 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 first. Yeah. It was it was a very innovative bike and it was the flagship at the time. So I mean Honda Honda have always done one or two bikes that really are, are <clears throat> the best way to describe it is a corporate ego trip. And the CX500 Turbo was one of them. Ten years later, or really eight years later in 1990, of course, it was the NR750. And so yeah. if you look back, Honda have always done, and the Rune is another one, the Rune. They've always done like a flagship model, and they throw the kitchen sink at it, all the technology that's available to them, all the best materials that are available to them. Um, and there's a few quirky things about your bike, like the really heavy laid out fiberglass fairing, mm -hmm. which I initially thought was a knockoff, but it isn't. It's real Honda fairing, just very heavy fiberglass, which is kind of why. they use fiberglass? It was there like a special, they wanted a, a more robust, very yeah, I think so. I, I think so. And the thing is with turbos, it's all about heat generation. Mm -hmm. And I think the amount of heat that's chucked off the front of that turbo, it might melt a plastic fairing. <clears throat> so I think fiberglass yeah. may be a bit more resistant to heat. I don't know. Yeah, that shit's not cheap, though, because if they're having to do layups for every single piece. Oh, it's hand laid. When yeah. you look oh, wow. inside the fairing, it's not... Um, what they call chop strand, where they shoot it out of a, um, mm -hmm. a gun. This is hand laid. Yeah. Oh, wow. I made you, I was looking at it, and it's. I haven't worked on one of these things since they were virtually new, and I thought, no, this is a knockoff. But then I looked at the other one, and it's exactly the same. Yeah. And then I started looking at the fittings and thought, this is how they did it back in the day. And then, you know, the memory starts being kick-started and like, oh, yeah, they did this, they did this, they did this. Um, so, well, uh, I'm sure we're going to have continued stories of the CX500 Turbo. But, Emma, thank you very much for your help today. And let me get a ride in and actually enjoy it when I wasn't expecting to. Right, exactly. And, um, you know, hopefully it'll grow on you a bit. Yeah. I have homework for you before next week. Um, pull the tank. Pull the tank and pull the fuel delivery pipe off yeah, it yeah, yeah. because we need to make sure mm -hmm. that the fuel is actually getting to the pump before we put a pump. It's definitely not getting fuel, so we have to figure out why. So the easiest way, we start at the tank and just work our way down. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, cool. Yeah. All right. I'm glad you got that bike. It's, it's such a cool bike. Like It is, know? isn't it? Nice. All right. Well, um, let me um, – let's get to our next – topic so hey guys i don't know if you're aware of this so it's sturgis bike week and you know aaron yeah. sills is up there doing a really cool thing and guys i got her on the phone with us hey aaron say hi to everyone hey hi liza hey. hello uh, misfits and world <laughs> yeah. Aaron. so you are up there at sturgis with wrn women writers now and you're doing a really cool thing and kind of a fundraiser. You want to talk about what you're doing? 
Oh, absolutely. We were one of 11 female-led teams that were invited by um, the, our friends at the Flying Piston Benefit to uh, customize a little kid's Strider bike, you know, those mm-hmm. those bikes that don't have pedals on them. That, um, and so they asked us to customize one of those and then donate it, and they will be auctioning all 11 of them off at Meekum to raise money for their charity organization called All Kids Ride, which yes. is um, an effort to get the Strider bikes into grade schools and um, get little kids on, on two wheels quickly. Nice. And so you made this really cool bike, um, little Strider bike, and it's a little chopper. Can you describe it? Oh, thanks. So, yeah, the, the team uh, came up with the concept of, if you think about a a little girl's bike and what we all started with uh we kind of came up with the the vision of the banana seat bike Mm -hmm. and uh with ape hanger bars and then we wanted to make it moto of course because we're all about motorcycles so we put a some sprockets on it and a chain and one of those little uh um uh, like a uh a the handle on the handle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The when you turn, makes, it revs. Yeah, the evil Knievel bikes had that back in the day. <laughs> nice. Yeah, made by Mattel, I guess. Yeah. But so we we did that, and we put um, the banana seat on it, and we painted it, and then we put a little license plate on it that says "Go WRN." And it it also has one thing on it that costs more than the entire bike. There's Liza a, Miller's name? No, no, well, the, no, but it's got a light on it, <laughs> a clear water light. <laughs> got it. What? Yes, it's lit, yeah. it, the, it, the, the clear water light is uh, making sure she knows where she's going. <laughs> it's got a clear water light. <laughs> nice. Those are some of the best lights you could get out there. <laughs> I know. It's very true. But you already revealed, yeah, so you've got it painted with um, these daisies, and there's names in the daisies. You want to uh, talk about that? Yeah, so we wanted to acknowledge all of the women who inspire uh, the little girls historically and in the future. So we identified over 225 women uh, in contemporary and historical American history of motorcycling, and their names, all 225 of them, are on this little strider, which was not easy to do. <laughs> but Liza's name's on there. It's everything from the women who have been in the AMA Hall of Fame, so Chris Summer yeah. Simmons, back to the Van Buren sisters, anyone who, a uh, female that has received a, uh, one of the special acknowledgement awards from the AMA, like your mm-hmm. award that I know you got from them. Um, and then contemporary women, so everything from bike builders to women in industry. So Jesse Combs is on there, Teresa Contreras, women who are in the industry and, and leading the way from an executive standpoint, like Trudy Hardy and um, women like that. So we, we've got all these names, and they're on the little Strider bike. That is so awesome. And thank you for putting my name on there. You're on there, Liza. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, so is Haley. And even though Haley's not an American, she's important to American motorcycle history. So our friend Haley Bell's on there, too. That is so awesome. And I saw Debbie Evans, one of my idols. Um, So many great women writers on there. So explain. So this is going to be going to a fundraiser 
do you know how people can see the bike and maybe bid on it? So we will keep uh, all of that up on, we'll put it up on the Women Riders Now site mm-hmm. once we have the specific information. What I've been told so far is that in January there will be a set of them that will be available through Mecham in Las Vegas. So it'll be a Mecham auction and we'll <laughs> certainly post up there and make sure everybody is aware when exactly in January that's going to be. That is so rad. And you guys did such a good job. Is it getting a lot of uh, good reception up there at Sturgis? Um, it is, yeah. They had the, the breakfast this morning, which was the official first release of all of them. And I have to say, I'm super proud of ours, but the others are also incredible. So I mentioned Chris Summer Simmons. Mm-hmm. She's got one that is a little model of her Effie that she does the cannonball ride, and it's adorable. Savannah Rose did one. Um, they were just they're they're so cute. But they were all revealed this morning at the builders' breakfast up at the Buffalo Chip in Sturgis. That is so cool. So, are you are you enjoying yourself up there at Sturgis? Uh, I am doing my best to stay safe and away from crowds, which at Sturgis is difficult. Yeah. But I was I felt it was important to be up there for the donation of the bike. So I've been wearing a face mask and um, you know. Uh, uh, glad I can represent women writers now up there. Right. So, um, and just a reminder, you can go to womenridersnow.com, correct? Womenridersnow.com. Go check it out and um, look for these bikes to come up in January at the Mecham Auction. Sign up for our newsletter because we'll be putting articles out about it soon. So that's probably the best way to keep up to date. Great. I know Mike is going to go sign up right now. Yes, please. Awesome. Well, thanks for calling in. I appreciate uh. it. Thanks, Liza. All right, stay safe. All right, talk to you soon. Talk to you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hey, how cool was that? That was awesome. Yeah. So she, um, yeah, she's doing really cool things. Y'all, my name is on a bike. It's going to be at the Meekum Auction. I almost want to go to Vegas just so I can point at it. Like, do you want me to sign it again? So did did they make any, uh, any, any chopper striders, I wonder? I, I bet you none are as cool as Mike's. I can't yeah, imagine that anyone beat. has built one as cool as Mike did. Oh, I, you know what? To be honest with you, I don't think anybody would, because after they did it, they would realize how unsafe that is for a child. <laughs> <laughs> like without the, even if the whole purpose of the Strider bike is to keep it without the pedal, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and you can't. That bike, I, I I had a little eight-year-old boy like running around like this kid's been riding bikes since he was three, and he'd get on the bike going like two miles an hour, and and, and without the training wheels, the bike would fold in half. When you oh no! <laughs> oh, like, because of the it's so raked out. Yeah, I should have you know in hindsight. There's no trail. There's no trail on that bike. Uh, yeah, so we should we should actually drop the uh, connection for that front axle below the wheel. That might have helped, but still the bike it folds like a piece of paper. So, yeah, yeah. Room for improvement. Freya's going to be the only like eight year old with her own custom chopper 49cc motorcycle. Well, you got to start them on the death traps early. That's how you do strong people. You know what I'm saying? You know, and it probably doesn't have any brakes. You just put your foot out like they did back in the old days. 100%. 100%. I to be honest with you, I don't even think she cares about them. Like, as long as it had, like, unicorns and rainbows on it, she doesn't give a shit what it is. And <laughs> I feel the same way about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, as long as there's a unicorn and there's a rainbow, and it's hers and she loves it. 
Good. <laughs> I no, you did a great job of that. But yeah, I think I can't wait to see the rest of these uh, Strider bikes. Um, you know, to get more kids riding, awesome. Um, so for our next topic, so you know, I'm not one to shy away from as Emma would say, controversy. How do you say it, Emma? Con- controversy. Controversy. Um, but I and I do want to be careful going into this one, but I think that we need to discuss this. So if you look at the news right now, it's all over the place. Everyone I think in the world is talking about Sturgis bike week. Um, 250,000 bikers up in uh, South Dakota where I just was. And there's no, uh, no PPE, no, no mandates. No, everyone's just having a good time. Wait, hold on a second. Like, is like it's 2019. Hmm? Sorry, go ahead. Is 250,000 the actual count, or is that expected? Uh, that is, was the guesstimates at this point. Okay. So yeah, yeah. last year they had 500,000. Um, Jesus. They were expecting 800,000 because it's the 85th anniversary, so it's an anniversary year, and they always get a big bump. So that was their um, prediction prior COVID. So um, they weren't really sure how many they were going to get, but their uh, guesstimates at this point are 250,000. So it makes sense. About a third of the predicted half of how many showed up last year. It still is a big party. And the news is all over this. I don't know if you guys have seen all the news outlets, except for Fox News, are covering it. Um, And basically painting the picture of these, how irresponsible all these bikers are. Now, I have personal friends. There's people from here, Santa Cruz, who are up there. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are there having a good time. I'm on the fence about this. Um, I think that you know what the media is is saying um hey bikers are are, you know they're not protecting themselves and we all just assume that it's going to be a covid fest what are you guys what are you guys thinking do you think it's a really bad idea or do you think you i want to chime in yeah what do you think Uh, i was just listening to something the other day about um when when you know things are happening it's like you know i guess when lawyers talk about stuff they talk about motive and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And like, I don't really have a um, verse, you know, motive versus whatever the fuck it is when we we'll get convicted. But I feel like I, I don't really want to say what people can and can't do. I, I, you know, personally. But I think that um, if I was thinking like the minute you started talking about it, I was like, well, I know of like three shows personally that have been canceled. Bigger shows mm-hmm. haven't happened this summer. And I also know that there's a lot of people. You know, if you go around here, even locally, who you know. Um, I wouldn't say aren't taking it serious, but maybe just aren't um, are, 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 what do they say or when people get worn out from this whole, you know, staying, staying yeah. in fatigue. fatigue. Yeah. Fatigue. And I think that, you know, that, you know, for that reason, um, maybe that might be contributing to the people just wanting to blow off some steam. And it's mostly, I don't know, adults or something. I, I don't know. But people just like, you know what, I could really use the end of the summer. Like, you know, I'm not going on a plane. I'm not on a bus. I'm not in like stuff. I'm on my bike driving right to this place. And maybe they're not prepared for it. And they do that. Um, it's possible that like you ever go on the naked ride and like go with all your clothes on. Fuck no. Because that would be weird. Right. But anybody else would be like, that's weird that you're riding without motorcycles. 
But I mean, like, it's just like when you're there and you see a whole bunch of other people just kind of, you know, it, maybe it just kind of like manifested into that. You're saying about the people not providing PPE and this and that, but like, you know, I'm talking about people, you know, who bring their own. Uh, like when I today, I brought my own mask uh, and sanitizer just because yeah. I don't want to get anybody sick and I don't want to get sick, but I'm also want to come and see you guys. So I'm going to try to do, you know, um, I'm not going to live in well, here. Look at both Knock and Emma in the past couple of weeks have raised the question, are we being responsible having the garage open? We have hand sanitizer. We have social distancing. We have masks. We have uh, things in place, rules in place to be safe, to follow guidelines. But yet both of you said, I don't know, is this a responsible thing? Maybe we should stop. So is it irresponsible? for the Sturgis bike rally to be happening. And I'd like to remind you, largest gathering in the world since COVID. So it's not just yeah. largest bike gathering. This is the largest gathering. Yeah, and, and I think that the, the thing that people seem to overlook a lot in this in this discussion is that this is about risk. It's not about, are you going to get it or are you not going to get it if you do this or you don't do that? It's not black and white. This is about a, a situation where the more contact you have, the greater your risk is of contracting it. And that is especially heightened in, in, in areas where you're in enclosed spaces or where there's a lot of contact uh, that people have, a physical contact that people have. And when you're in a small town <clears throat> with 250,000 people descending on it, it is virtually impossible to distance yourself sufficiently from other people. And now you may be able to do that by getting a campsite that's, you know, somewhere outside of town and spend most of your time there, but then you're not at Sturgis, right? You're not at the rally. Um, so it's, 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 it's really counter to the whole idea of what a motorcycle rally is. It's to bring people together to bring people so they can, you know, come in contact with one another. Um, and it, it's it, it is it, it's it's really a sad thing that we can't have these gatherings because, or, or it's we shouldn't be having these gatherings I should say because what you know the the fact is that that when you bring people together uh, there are lots of asymptomatic carriers out there and people are going to get infected um, a lot of people who are in Sturgis are older um, some of them are not in the best of health to begin with. And that puts them at, at an even greater risk of contracting it. Um, I, I really hope that this doesn't turn into a, a super spreader event, but I'm very concerned. Um, now, the fact that a lot of it is outdoors is, you know, that, that does help. But when you have a big crowd of people who are all together in that same space, you know, that the breath of everybody is just wafting through that crowd. Like you're, you know, just like you're in, indoor, in an indoor space. I mean, it, it won't stick around for you know, for as long a time as it would indoors, but still, there is there is a risk of, of transmission of the virus. So, I, I'm very concerned. I would never go to a place um, with a gathering like that. Um, not right now, uh, especially when there's there's no distancing or, or masks or other precautions that are that are being mandated. Because you know it's it's, and, and I'm not a fan of mandating things like that. But when people aren't following these guidelines that are common sense for stopping the spread of a deadly virus. What, what other options do we have? Well, I'd, I'd like to point out there aren't any guidelines in the state of South Dakota, right? There's right. none. Yeah. That's um, the problem. And a full disclosure, 
since I was just there a week ago, I did eat in restaurants. Um, yeah, I got a question. How how much is South Dakota rural versus um, uh, metropolitan? Because, I mean, I, I'd imagine that's one of the reasons why they don't have those measures or orders in place. But effectively, if you're having 250,000 people in three, for three days in one, you know, area, you're kind of making a mini metropolitan area, are you not? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and Sturgis is... Um, uh, I'm going to say it's, I'd say it's similar to Santa Cruz in that we get the summer rush here. And, you you know, a lot of our, our industry is reliant upon the summer business, you know, and our, you know, you go down to the beach and it's packed, similar in size. Um, and I was going to say, even though I did eat in restaurants there, we still were social distancing and the, the, the restaurant had set the tables further apart than usual. So I felt like they were, you know, being safe. But now with people shoulder to shoulder, I think it I think it is irresponsible. I want to clarify though. Yep. I don't blame the city of Sturgis for having this event. Uh for a couple of reasons. Um th- they put livelihood over lives. Yeah, but there were so many people saying they're coming regardless. There were people who were going to show up regardless. They might as well provide for them. I, where I feel there's irresponsibility are the people who are putting fun over lives. And this argument, and maybe you guys can help me out because I was having this debate with somebody. I said, when you have that many people somewhere, you have to have workers to create the whole support system. You know, you're going to have to have, um, you know, police and garbage men and race restaurant workers, servers, all these things. Right. And, and her response was, but they're choosing to work. No one is forced to. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a philosophical discussion about like, nobody's forced to live. Right. Exactly. You're nobody's forced to like pay rent or, you know what I mean? Like, Nobody's forced to eat. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, you have to have an infrastructure to support all of that. Um, And so I feel that there are a lot of people who are being put at risk. Yes, they're choosing to go to work rather than quit their job. They're choosing to earn money to pay their rent and to feed their children. Because they have no other option because they don't have other options. They effectively don't have a choice and they're being held hostage as is the way I see it. So, right. Um, Emma, dare I ask you, what do you think? What's your opinion on this? It's a, it's a very, very fine line. I've always been of the mindset that you need to look after your mental health as well as, as well as your physical health. But, and my mental health includes riding around on a motorcycle. All I can do, I learned a long time ago not to speak for other people and not to offer an opinion for other people. Mm-hmm. Because when you introduce the human element into anything, I could write a manual that thick. Mm-hmm. And the best thing you can do when you introduce the human element is throw it away because everyone is so different. Would I go? Hell no. Not within a hundred miles of it, but that's just me. 
am I going to trash people who are going there? I don't think they're exhibiting the greatest amount of sense. Um, but the, ultimately, so the that's, that's got to be their choice. The one thing I will say the is that there's 250,000 people who've all made a group decision to go and be there together that that's a lot of people for me to say you're all wrong that maybe there's something more to it maybe it's that they really don't think that there is any risk they don't believe it or and maybe they're right maybe we're all overreacting right well 165,000 dead americans um that's I don't think that's overreacting. Sure. Uh, well, I'm just saying it makes me wonder: are are we overreacting? And the only thing that will you know will tell us for sure is going to be you know about a month from now, all the all the baggers that show up uh, you you know for sale on Craigslist. Well, it'll take it'll take longer than that. It'll be about six months after they go through probate. <laughs> There you go. Um, well, I mean, uh, uh, depending on how robust uh, testing is in, in South Dakota. Uh, well, well no, but no, but everyone weeks. is from somewhere yeah. else. They're coming right. from all other states. Yeah, that's true, too. That's Here's yeah, the thing. I mean, you remember Daytona Bike Week? I said the same thing. Why are you guys going there? And this was right at the beginning of everything. When we yeah, were going into shutdown, we were in shutdown, but Florida wasn't. But we didn't hear any numbers from that because people went back to all their other states right and there wasn't even any testing back then either so we don't I know all i can say is i hope everyone is safe i too wish i wish i could be attending an event like this with yeah. all these like-minded bikers i wish i could but but you know after after uh, daytona there was a really big spike in april and, and may uh, some of that was from, was that from beaches too, I think. Remember? Well, yes. And spring break, there was a lot of things. But of course. Um, I hope, you know, for everyone who is out there, I, I hope everyone is safe. And I'm going to say, I hope you're right. And I hope that we're wrong. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, that's, that's the important thing, Liza, is rightly or wrongly, we should never crow about anything whether it's right or wrong or be judgmental about it i wish anybody who swings a leg over a motorcycle every single person deserves all the luck they can get yeah and bear in mind there's a massive amount of the american of the british of the world population who think that we have a death wish because we love these machines mm-hmm. That we're, yeah, taking, it, that we're taking a massive risk, a far greater risk than exposing ourselves to the dangers of the coronavirus by just riding a motorcycle. And they're going to use the same argument against us. The facts are there. How many, you know, how many people get killed on a motorcycle compared to a car? Well, there's the statistics, but they still chose to do it. And that's the argument they're going to use. The one thing yeah, I hope it, that it, this affects, I don't, I mean, every year I kind of do a Sturgis death report of how many crashes there were. Remember there's fatalities. There's like between like oh, nine yeah. and 13 every year, most of yeah. them alcohol related. I really hope with these reduced numbers and with just kind of the, the, the thing in the air, the tension in the air that, 
there's less of that and that there's no deaths. Sorry, Nock, I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt oh, you. I'm sorry, put no, it into no. I'm sorry, Nock. No, no, go ahead. Put it into perspective, Liza. The projected number there were 800,000. Mm -hmm. And they're saying 250 showed up. So that basically means 540,000 diehard bikers thought, yeah, maybe this isn't such a good idea for me. Right. You know? Yeah. So it, it's, it, it, it could be better. And I sincerely wish everyone there the best. Please stay safe. Please look after yourselves. Please look after those around you. And if you start feeling sick, Go to the fucking doctor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I get a sense of schnodenfrada, you know? It's it's like, I don't want these people to die, you know? Like, for the most part. Like, but that's, this is what they choose to do, and I guess that's freedom, right? I mean, like. It's, the, it's exactly the same freedom that allows us to swing a leg over a basically a, a motorized missile. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that Freya? Yeah, Freya's here. Hey, Freya. Hey, Freya, darling. <clears throat> hey, she's just here for the spinny chair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, we know how cool the spinny chair is. What do you think about North Dakota, Freya? It's South Dakota. What do you think about uh, Sturgis Rally, Freya? Exactly. We. That's what they're all saying there, too. That's how we all feel. Hey, um... Now, bear in mind, I was on my own trip last week, so I didn't miss. I missed yeah. your report. I yeah. missed your report on your trip. Um, did you visit? Um, what's that place that they used in Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Yes, <laughs> Devil's we Tower. Did. Devil's Tower. Not oh. just that, Emma. Jim put on the soundtrack as we were driving up to it. Oh, oh it made brilliant. it so surreal. It was awesome. That is fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, but which. Dovetailed in my lovely trip up to Northern California. God, what a fantastic! Yeah, place. where'd you go? Yeah, um, I headed up to the Avenue of the Giants. I felt I wanted to oh. spend some time with three thousand-year-old trees, and um, that's my a riding partner. Oh, it's fantastic! And my riding yeah. partner was the always perfect company, Michael McCarthy. <clears throat> um, he was riding his Aprilia Dosadoro, which is a brilliant street bike i was on dear rufus of course and um we had a good time we had a good time we rode the coast all the way up hey freya bye um we rode the coast all the way up to san francisco and beyond all the way up to fort bragg and then we cut across fort bragg Took Highway 101 all the way up to um, Scotia and Rio de Rio Dell, rode amongst the redwoods, and then uh, rode back. Kind of a long weekend. It's about it's about 800 miles, thousand miles. It's good to get out there. I mean, yeah, unfortunately, it, it was. There's a lot of us who don't want to go to a big rally or event and can't go because uh, they've been canceled. But doing a trip like what Jim and I did or like you, just a nice weekend, get out there and ride. Good for you. Well, I, 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 I was going to say, I don't think there's a particular timeline to it, but it was it was just nice to get out and get on the bike. And my observation of crowd control in California 
was very, very interesting because we were going through a lot of the tourist destinations. Point Ray Station, where we stopped and had lunch, very crowded, very, very crowded, but everyone was wearing masks. But nevertheless, it was very crowded. Some of the masks were pretty damn hokey. Yeah. Um, Bodega Bay. Now, famously, Bodega Bay is where they filmed that the birds. Alfred Hitchcock film, The Birds. The bird. Still looks very much the same as it did yeah. back then. Very crowded. But once again, you know, some people were wearing masks, some people weren't. Um, when you start getting up really up north, it started thinning out a bit. Um, but I think the problem, as I can see it, this is a long-term battle that we're fighting. And people in particular, well, people in general, and to a certain extent, Americans in particular, and before anybody gets on their high horse, I regard myself as an American. I've spent more of my adult life in America than I have in England. The only thing that's left for me is the accent. But the one thing that we're not always great at is exercising patience. And we've been basically under what I want to call COVID conditions now for how many months? 21, 40... Um, six months plus. Six months. Yeah, and yeah. that's a chunk Almost. of your life. And I think a lot of people really, you know, they've got their eye on the prize, you know, we want to get back to normal and they're running out of patience. Um, is that a huge mistake? I feel it is, but that's, I think that's where people at before we throw under people under the bus and say, Oh, you, you, you're being stupid because of this, you know, six months, especially if you are not quite as, I think arbitrarily social as you and me, Liza. You know, if you look forward to events because they're such a part of your life, if you lead a very quite lonely life and you look forward to these big events that have now all been cancelled, you know, it's 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 hard. Yeah. So yeah. It's hard. It's hard just another us. perspective, I guess. You know, I don't want people to think, "Oh, Emma's being really wishy-washy about this." But um, all all I can do is speak for myself. Would I go? No. And ultimately, I decided not to go to Mike Corbin's for exactly the same reason. I don't want to get sick. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. you know what, Emma, you are in luck. In fact, not just you, everyone is in luck because there is some an event that hasn't been canceled. What's that event, Liza? The Black Hills Moto Film Festival. Oh, August, call the blimeys, Gov. August 13th through 16th. So we were supposed to do this film festival at Black Hills next weekend during the whole Sturgis rally canceled it and moved it online where we have made it free do you know how much that is free, free. exactly Zero freedom units um and we've got a lot of really cool films so for anyone who wants to view the films you go to revsisters.com that's r-e-v-s-i-s-t-e-r-s revsisters.com and you will 
be able to register to get your free ticket. You still have to register because we're putting other people's films online for three days. So you have to get the link because it's not just going to be public. Um, but we've got some really cool films. In fact, uh, Bagel is featured in one of them. The Bagler! Yes, he yes. is. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little, to Bagel a little bit. I know we talked about it years ago um, when you did the, the, the Scootistan. Um, but I wanted to share some stories from that. Before we do that, I wanted to, I'm going to list all all the movies that are going to be available and these are anywhere from ultra short to short to full length right to feature length all right we got positive direction camp five moto vagabonds that one is cool it's actually when you go to sturgis there are all these different camps and this is camp five and these are all these kind of vagabonds like z traveler who all get together and form their own little community it's cool um a broken tooth uh this the guy who rides in alaska in the snow and ice uh, ontario oh yes ontario same thing yes (laughs) um vintage soul cool bike builder he uses wood on his bikes and it's beautiful uh scootistan a vespa tour of pakistan uh one of my favorites penton the john penton story we did the interview a couple weekends ago about that uh the patch it's about women's riders uh women riders club slow ride home this is a really cool one this is the scooter cannibal a bunch of guys from a club in portland all rode <laughs> on their no, scooters not, not not scooter cannibal but a, but a different uh, i thought it was scooter, scooter no a scooter cannibal is it really? Yeah, it was Scooter Cannibal. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you'll oh, like okay. it. Slow ride home. And cool. they they made it fun. They made every day um, a different person in their club had a challenge they had to do. And if they forgot to do it, they got punished by having to like shave an eyebrow or <laughs> oh, wear a bunny suit or something. So they really made it fun, funner. Um, uh, the do you sp- have a bunny suit bagel? Do you, darling? I do not. Oh, well, we'll sadly. get right on that. Back and change. Uh, Spirit of Sturgis, which is not about Sturgis. It's the name of a bike. Really cool. Um, Motosexual. Hey, I'm in that one. Chips Winter Ride. (laughs) That one is a really cool one about the Rokon bikes. And a bunch of guys get together every year. Uh, The Distinguished Gentleman. That one is cool, too. Um, It's about a guy whose garage burnt down and he had to rebuild his bike. And he's dealing with stuff. Uh, Shift wow. MX Endless Mexico. Uh, that one, uh, you want to see some cool riding in Mexico with beautiful camera work. Uh, Dirtbag 2, Return of the Rattler. It's our friends, the Handsome Asians. The Handsome Asians. And this is a film they did about making a bike for the Dirtbag. Uh, Rebel Riders, you guys, that one. We talked about that a couple of podcasts ago. The Indonesian uh, Scooter Club. Monkey and Her Driver. <laughs> Freaking long. This is uh, two scooter. women who have a uh, who race with the sidecars. Uh, Felony Flats 2018, another club doing crazy scooter, small bike, pit bike, racing, um, whatever may come. This is another great one of a solo rider doing a really hard ride and a lot of the, the things he dealt with. Um, Fast and Left, flat track film, as it says. It's about flat track. And this is one of those films that when they interviewed all the old guys, and you're like, I want to be a part of that crew. Like, I want I to be like in with those film. kind of guys, right? And I like the guys in it. 
there was there was a couple of guys in that film who just were so friggin' likable. Yeah. It was great. I really enjoyed that one. And then the Guardians. Hey, I'm in that one too. Well, hey. <laughs> Uh, which Perhaps was the, we should just rename it Liza's Film Fest. <laughs> the Guardians that? was the the film that they did from the Where We're Ride last year. Um, so that's that's a lot of movies. RevSisters.com. Yeah. Get your free tickets. But Bagel, I wanted to talk a minute about Scootistan and what yeah. people can expect in this movie. Okay. So uh, Scootistan is a movie that we made of our... Uh, Vespa tour of northern Pakistan in 2016. Uh, this was uh, put together by uh, Moeen Khan, who mm -hmm. led a, led the trip. Uh, his uh, website is a differentagenda.com, where he hosts uh, mostly motorcycle tours of Pakistan, but he also put together a scooter tour for us. And uh, we we have still still talk about going back there again someday. Um, I hope that we can do it again because it was an absolutely wonderful time. And and we rode these. 40 to 50 year old Vespas. Yeah, these were not new scooters. Oh no. No, these were these were old, worn out, beat up vintage Vespas that had been rebuilt with with more modern engines. So this so they were they were fairly reliable, I have to say, for for what they look like. They did <laughs> they did remarkably well. And our mechanic Gudu did an amazing job of keeping them going the whole trip. And and you're riding. I mean, the same route that I've done in Pakistan. But you're like, there's river crossings. There's yep. all sorts of terrain. Did did you do DSI? Yes, we crossed baby, the DSI plain. Baby head rocks, you guys. Yes. you're doing it on little wheel vintage scooters. Eight inch wheels. Yes, <laughs> the, the the wheels were not that much bigger than the rocks. <laughs> Put it that way. Oh, man, and, and, yeah, and and we crossed the 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 whole DSI plane, which, we, as far as we know, we are the first people who ever did it on a Vespa. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Um, yep. But my favorite story. I want you to tell my favorite story that I tell everyone because yes. I wished I had this kind of experience. <laughs> when you yep. go to a place like Pakistan. It's a little more fun when your life is threatened, right? Because people say like, oh, why'd you go to Pakistan? It's so dangerous. Oh. It's like, not really. It's yeah. not really not dangerous. It's actually really awesome. And everyone is really friendly and nice. And we're really well taken care of and all that. So mm -hmm. uh, you did have something pretty sketch happen. Right. Lots of people think that, that Pakistan is so dangerous. Oh, you're going to get blown up or something. And no, it's not going to happen. I mean, that's the chances of that are, are so immensely remote. The, the dangers that you face are more the hazards of, of just cow oper operating like cows, for example, <laughs> or landslide <laughs> or uh, potholes. <clears throat> you know, it's it's I mean, the, the roads not are not always the best maintained. Some of them are, some of them are wonderful, but other roads, you know, in more remote areas are pretty rough. So, you know, there's all kinds of unexpected things that you can come across as you're going on your trip. And we came across something that we never would have thought that we would have had to deal with. But then there we were. Um, <laughs> We had left Naran um, that morning and probably about a half an hour into the day, you know, we were riding up. It was a beautiful morning, kind of, kind of crisp and a little foggy. You know, it was just a lovely day, just winding, winding past this river. And as we got up to this area where there was a bridge to cross over the river, there was a big line of cars, which 
was incredibly unusual because there there are not there are no traffic jams in Pakistan. And and let's describe the bridges. There's a lot of bridges. Northern yeah. Pakistan is full of rivers. And right. these are not bridges like the Golden Gate Bridge. These are suspension bridges often no. No? no, not, not suspension bridges. Was, These are like truss bridges. Oh, that was a truss, yeah. But yeah. there's they're kind of janky. They move a lot. Oftentimes are, yeah. they have wood planks just laid down, and oftentimes yep. you have missing planks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it it is um, provisional at best sometimes yeah. <laughs> in, in some of these bridges. And and this particular bridge, it turned out, was the hastily built replacement bridge for the previous bridge that was washed out in a flood. Ah. So um, so we came up to this traffic jam and which we thought was very strange because we had not seen a traffic jam in, in Pakistan. The, the closest we came was when we were coming into Abbottabad in rush hour traffic, and it was yeah. just a lot of traffic, but it was moving. This was stopped. We had, we had not seen stop traffic in Pakistan yet. So we were very, uh, we were not sure what was going on, but Moeen decided to ride up ahead you know, to go see what it was. And he came back and said that the bridge is out, but we might be able to do a water crossing to take the bikes across. Now, these are, as we said, eight-inch wheeled Vespas. Um, they're not particularly well-suited for river crossings, especially deep ones that normally require a bridge to cross. So, so we, we kind of filtered up to the front the, on our bikes to kind of survey the scene ourselves. Uh, one guy decided to go up ahead to where they had made a provisional river crossing and cars and buses were starting to go over and he was going to try to get a scoot across there. The rest of us kind of sat there looking at the bridge, um, figuring out what we were going to do. I, I didn't even say what happened to the bridge. <laughs> so, so when we got to the bridge, we saw what used to be a bridge um, that had collapsed under the weight of an enormous truck that was filled with uh, dry cement overloaded with dry cement um and it crossed this hastily constructed bridge and the uh, the one side of the bridge decided it was just that it had enough and it let go and took the truck with it right into the river <laughs> so so this bridge was kind of leaning to one side with this truck hanging off of it into the <laughs> kind of half into the river and in meanwhile there are people still crossing this half collapsed bridge <laughs> herding their sheep across and like <laughs> like like foot traffic is still okay like it's a little bit of an angle but they're still getting across <laughs> meanwhile all the car the cars are sitting there looking at like uh when are we going to get our uh, what are we going to do here <laughs> so um <clears throat> we decided to decided that uh, we, that the best course of action was to try and take the scooters across the bridge and we decided it was a little too hairy to ride, but we might be able to to kind of push them slash carry them. And so we talked to a couple of locals and asked if they could give us a hand, and they were very happy to help us out. And we managed to push slash carry three of our bikes across this broken bridge, uh, risking our lives, uh, you know, with the potential of it falling all the way into the river. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we made it across, and uh, and 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 continued on our way. Um, and it was, uh, it was quite, uh, it, it, this, the site, the site of it was, was like, it's not something you would expect to see, you know, especially coming from, you know, a Western country where, 
you 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 kind of take infrastructure for granted, um, <laughs> with some exceptions, but but you really don't expect to see a bridge just collapse with a giant truck hanging off of it. <laughs> but the, but that's what we uh, we saw that day, um, and yeah, we we figured it out and managed to get past it and keep going. <laughs> now, see, I wish I had that kind of thing happen. That mm-hmm. is so awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah janky bridges wild. are just part of the fun. I love the yeah. challenge. Uh, but that is captured in the film, as is some of your other antics, like riding in a hotel. Yes, indeed. You know, Bagel, you remind me of that uh, Mark Twain quote. It says, uh, it says uh, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and Absolutely. you can't... Uh, have wholesome charitable views if you're in a corner of the world all by yourself so you got to get out there and see shit man i'd say it's it's really hard to 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 do that without traveling um yeah you know, it, it gives you a a completely different perspective on things and yeah. and and more most importantly i think it's that you get to experience what life is like there what people are like and how they treat you and um you know and and, and just you, you get to enjoy the 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 little things that that are that make life enjoyable there which are not necessarily the same things here and and you know it really enriches your experience and broadens your view of the world and and, and gives you a, a much greater appreciation for things that that you may not be familiar with yet so um so for everyone who hasn't really gotten out there and traveled i i cannot recommend it enough it is it's a it's a it's an eye-opening and life-changing experience well there you go uh if you'd like to see bagel in scudistan just go to revsisters.com and register uh click on film festival where you can register to get your free ticket and uh thank you bagel i i can't wait i can't wait till my next trip there um this is officially being released for the first time it came out before no it's it's been out this we have curated a selection of films some old some new but this is what we curated that's a nice sample of everything and just movies that we really enjoy and I guess I'm dumb because, like, I didn't know Scooter Stand came out a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I would like to go back to the Hansomations, if I may. Yeah. Um, always get my vote, not least. If you ever watch the episode of the Hansomations where mm-hmm. we are the featured guests, yeah. The last two minutes are a masterpiece of filmmaking. <laughs> the acting is superb. From both the star, that's me, mm-hmm. and the co-star, which is you. Um, yeah. Milk it. Just absolutely, absolutely just perfect filmmaking. <laughs> it was pretty Perfect funny. filmmaking. And they brought it out of us because that's what they do. I found, I found out on that that Emma has skills that I do not. <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> Hey guys, one more quick topic. Uh, this one we can get to quick. Am I an asshole? Yes. A little from <laughs> depending on what it, it depends. It depends. Oh, stop vacillating. Oh. You know she's an asshole. No. Let me let me give you the context. Um, 
I said you were tactless. I didn't <laughs> okay, say you that's, were an that's, asshole. That's fair. Tactless well, asshole. You, you know the words. Syllables. You know the words to the Dennis Leary song. Admit it. Okay, <laughs> let me just explain. She enjoys being an asshole. <laughs> and I'm I'm trying to decide if I need to like let this go or not. Um, okay. As it happens quite often at the garage, um, somebody will come in with the, uh, their bike and tell us all the things they're going to do to it. Like Emma was uh, helping a young guy uh, who came in for the first time on his Triumph Thruxton, and he wants to um, put um, clip-on bars and do all these things. And she was explaining what he would have to do to accomplish all that because it's Turn not as simple. Racer? Yeah, I mean, well, it's kind of no. A, th- a Thruxton's is. already a cafe racer. Oh, he wants, he wants to make it. He wants to make it more uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Perfect. So, as it happens, a lot of times people will come in and tell me all their plans. And my rule of customizing is don't make a bike worth less than when you started. Right? Yeah, but it's not monetary value, darling. I know. This is why I'm bringing it up. Um, don't make it worth less. It's that simple. If you want to spray paint it and put a space scene on it, go for it, as long as you're making it worth more. Hey, 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 hey. I feel like I'm being <laughs> called out here. <laughs> you know my bike looked hella cool like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my best to crash it is my okay <laughs> so here's the deal i'm yes so, i know so here's the deal uh we had a somebody new to the garage come by today and he was riding a versus 650 and as we know versus are a great bike but they're not worth anything and this one um was same age as mine but a little more uh worn out it's, it's i think it's been dropped but nothing crazy right um but it's it's a two thousand dollar bike and it was missing its front windshield, just the windscreen. And he was telling me all his plans, and he's going to take the fairing off, and he's going to do this, and he's going to take the exhaust off and make it louder and all these, you know, and drop the bars. And, and I was just like, no, dude. <laughs> You've got a $2,000 bike that you're going to turn into a $1,500 bike that will do less <laughs> things than it'll do right now. I can do that in about two seconds. It doesn't yeah. take me a month of saving up to make a $2,000 bike a $1,500 yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Let alone a $50 one. Well, the problem is when you get into <laughs> these bikes that have all that plastic, once you take one piece off, it's connected yeah. to the next and the next, and then they're hiding you know, uh, uh, you know, a reservoir or wiring, and then it just starts getting uglier and uglier. Um, Eliza, I'm actually going to stop you there. Yeah. Because I don't think you should change at all, and I will tell you why. Yeah. Part of the reason that people enjoy coming to the garage and enjoy listening to all of us on the podcast is we're all so different. And you and me in particular are just polar opposites Mm -hmm. because you are like, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's shit. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, how do I go? Oh, let's do it! Yeah, get the saw. Get the saw. Come along and do it. So (laughs) it's so different, and somewhere in the middle is common sense. Because I mean, I don't care if you you can show up on a brand new thirty thousand dollar bike, and if I think it's going to look better if you hack the back fender off, well, the back fender's coming off. Yeah, but Emma, you have great aesthetics, and you have the ability to take a bike that doesn't look so good and make it 
look not just good, but not customized. You make it look like a stock bike. You're very yeah, skilled know, at that. I've built plenty of ugly ones too. Well, and then you get Mike. But I don't who, show them to you. Mike, who will take an ordinary bike and make it extraordinary, right? Right. Or you have Knock, who has a crashed bike that he's street fightered. The problem is that I see kids who want to street fight a bike that is a perfectly good bike the way it is. And they want but to take things their off. Bike. It's not their bike. It's not their bike. It is their bike. What do you mean? No, I mean, it's not. The, it's not. It's a, yes, this is my point. They People want to customize and personalize. And I can't get over trying to save them from making a mistake. Right. Well, let them. Well, have we have we drawn the distinguishing line between personalization versus customization? Is that a thing? Like, customization is, is a like, thing. yeah. Well, I mean, like some people would argue, like customization is getting your suspension set up right for your weight. Personalization is like painting your fairings or some shit like that. I don't know. No, it's, it's mm-hmm. one of the same thing. Okay. It's one of the same thing, Nock. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's and I heartily encourage it, both good and bad. Well, well, yeah. like if you want to chop up like a two thousand dollar bike, it's not like you're really diving that far in the deep end. Even even when you get up to how I build bikes or how Mike Miranda build bikes, there's still going to be a lot of people who think they're great and people who think they're complete shit. Hopefully, the people who think they're complete shit are, are fewer. But when you, anytime you deviate from stock, or indeed even if you ride a stock bike down the street, haters gonna hate. So I, I just want to share like my my rules. As I said, don't make it worth less, right? But here's the thing, and this is my advice to him. I said, look, we get people. This is your one and only bike. Right now, you have a bike that you could throw knobbies on and go do adventure riding. You could put bags on and go do long distance riding you could go hit the 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 hills and ride it really aggressive it can be a commuter a daily commuter it can do all of these things but you want to reduce its ability that should be your one bike my rule is have the one bike that can do the things you need it to do have the second bike to do whatever the fuck you want to do to it i I think that's a, a good uh a good approach if you can if you can have two bikes because that way you've got the, you know, the, the, the daily rider to get you around when you need mm-hmm. it. And then you can take a risk with the custom bike to, you know, screw things up. And then you're not out your, your everyday transportation. And, and here's the thing he said, and I'm sure you guys have heard this. He said, well, I have no plans on selling it. I'm going to, I'm going to make it mine and I'm not going to sell it. I said, you're lying to yourself. <laughs> You're lying to your future self. <laughs> exactly. You so, always sell the bike. You all, you always sell the bike. So, well, I mean, here's the thing though that I I think is is maybe maybe the reason why people are saying or are calling you an asshole for doing that. No, is, I I'm the one to call myself an asshole. Oh, to okay. be clear. I'm the one. Okay. Well, I was going to say maybe maybe a, a different approach is needed than to not be an asshole where instead of just telling him you shouldn't do that, Maybe you should just make them question the wisdom of doing that. Say, oh, are you sure that's oh, a good idea? The Socratic method, huh? Yeah. You know, make them, <laughs> make them undermine their, their confidence in what they're doing if you really don't think it's a good idea for them to do that. <laughs> make them, I, make them I, doubt I see themselves. it as like, 
As soon as Liza is the nurse um, that just tears the rips the bandaid off her, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're doing it out of a, out of a sense of duty and compassion. You're obviously wanting uh, uh, their best uh, intent, their best, you know, what's what's good for them. But like yeah. you just gotta pull that shit off like really quickly. <laughs> I mean, like I ain't got time for this shit. I got like other people bleeding out of their assholes or whatever. Yeah. You know? Well, even like when Micah was taking the, the fairings off that were scuffed up but functioning. And so my point was, I think you're going to regret it because even though that's a small little uh, windshield, it makes a difference when you're riding. Like, you know, I think I try to save people from making a mistake and lessening the function. Micah, I know you disagreed with me on that, but did it make a difference having that back on? Um, Taking them off was because I prefer the look of naked bikes. And when I was... Uh, commuting a lot less it totally made sense when i was commuting more and i needed the function of the fairings i uh, i put them back on so i i think that you're right in that it's great to have a bike that you can take and do whatever um and then a bike that you can take and uh tear it to shreds if you want to um but I, there's more tactful ways to say it sometimes. So yes, I am an asshole. <laughs> I mean, when you said, am I an asshole? And you told this story, I was expecting a lot worse. You have said some meaner things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just feel yeah. bad because people come and, you know, like, oh, I want to do this and that, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to take the exhaust off, make it louder. I'm like, dude, that's a mistake on this bike. You're going to make it run shitty. And if you want, and he goes, well, but I want to be louder so cars can hear me coming. Like, no, you just put a headlight modulator on so they could see you coming. Like, and I just feel like I'm shitting on their cool ideas, you know? So I felt kind of yeah, like an asshole. Well, well, when you're hanging out with the crowd that thinks loud pipes save lives and not proper motorcycling gear, technique, classes, or visibility, you know. It's not what you how you say it look i couldn't save mike but i can try and save the rest we don't need to <laughs> yo let me tell you something it's not what you how you say it mm-hmm. first of all and and you you are an asshole <laughs> <laughs> about my bikes is wrong so you don't know what the fuck <laughs> That's the first thing. And, but I tell you this much. When the kid comes in, I look, you see Dave over there? You mm-hmm. want to do all shit. You want to pull up the, the exhaust and, and do this and do that. And, and I mean, you need, a, you need a tribe. I mean, but, you know, when you get stuck yeah. with, like, you know, a certain type of people and you don't really know, you have a vision of what biking is, and then you meet people who do that, kind of fall into their um, whatever it is that's cool. Right. I mean, what I think about the, the garages is a huge diversity of people different sets of knowledge and skills and you know you you could really you know you could dive in full and and be a full retard with the bikes get everything or you know you could stick one you want and find somebody you know that's the beautiful thing about motorcycles and motorcycle culture is you have this tribe and you either choose them or they choose you and these are people you want to socialize with like you, Mike, you know, against all odds, I actually enjoy socializing with you very, very much. Dude, you're um, not being paid to say that either. It's because he no, offers free meat. Yes, exactly. It <laughs> says here. 
Um, but the act of motorcycling itself always has been and always will be a very solitary pursuit. Ultimately, when you're out there, it's just you and your bike. And you may be in a group of people, but your fate can be decided completely independently of all of the group of people. Your motorcycle may take a dive. You may take a dive. You know, you might pull the best wheelie you've ever done. It's a very solitary pursuit within a very <clears throat> loving and supportive group of people. It's a wonderful thing. So I wouldn't want to be involved in anything else. I will say that I completely support having a project bike, cutting it up, modifying, learning how to do different things on it, painting, welding, all that stuff. I fully support that. And I actually encourage people now's a perfect time because of COVID and we're not able to go to events and stuff. And so I'm just going to say all 90s cruisers have a pass. All 90s cruisers do whatever you want to it. There's nothing you can do to make it worse. Well, <laughs> you know, you bring up a really good point when you mention all those things that you those disciplines that uh, you, you talked about, like painting and welding and cutting and doing mechanicing, those things, I mean, to do well, take a lot of time. Like knowing how to paint really good is a, is a skill that you got to develop over time. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the task can be daunting when you got, you know, five things you want to do at the same time. And I understand where you're coming from, where you're like, well, you're trying to take on way too much, you know, just take a step back and maybe do things one at a time. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, we'll see because Emma is going to help a guy chop up his uh, his Thruxton, and I was going, no. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're going to get an angle grinder to that bad boy. Uh, uh, is, uh, is is the subframe uh, getting cut? Is that is it a part of the bike? No, we're um, no, we're doing the front end. We're okay. doing some work on the front end. So you know, oh. you put the clip-ons on the forks between the triple trees, but on this bike, there's uh, chrome covers over the mm -hmm. upper fork legs that have mm -hmm. the headlight mounts. So to be able uh, to put clip-ons, you're going to have to cut off part of that that fork cover yeah, and and put those clip-ons in. And uh, to me, it's like, I don't know, it's a lot of work. And why? What about clubmans? He doesn't want any clubmans or two? Uh, no, no wait, the clubmans aren't uncomfortable enough. He wants to go <laughs> full discomfort. Is he going he woodcraft? Yeah. Yes, he's going <laughs> yeah. wood. He's going woodcraft, Charlie. Oh, well, at least he's doing it right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I got a set of woodcrafts. They're pretty nice. Um. Well, there we go. We've settled it. I am an asshole. So, um. Hey, I got two emails. I take you know, lighter. Take some pride in that. Say it with, say yeah, it with I am an asshole. asshole. <laughs> it's like, do you want Nurse Liza to rip off the band-aid or give you a prostate massage? I know. If you want advice on customizing your bike, ask anyone but me. <laughs> um, but um, speaking of the CX500 Turbo, we've got a cool email here. This one is from Steve, Steve from Southern Steve. Wisconsin. It's Steve. 
So Steve says, my heart skipped a beat when I heard that you bought a CX500 Turbo. Holy crap, I love that bike. An icon of the 80s. I had a chance to buy one from a small town dealer in the early 90s. It had gone down in a ditch and the plastic bodywork was damaged. It was being sold at a significantly a significant discount by the dealer. It was a low mileage bike in good condition mechanically. I test drove it. It was kind of slow until 4500 p.m. Then a nice kick from the turbo to the red line it had a great sound and felt solid on the road much better than my buddy's regular cx500 i took the bike back to the dealer and said i'd sleep on it i called the original owner and talked about the bike he told me he had lost it in a sharp curve and dumped it he had traded the damaged cx in on a new 900 rr <laughs> wow what a All difference right, right? Uh, he says, I agonized about buying it, but I had no money in those days and there was no internet or eBay to buy parts from. I therefore decided to keep my flawed 82 Yamaha Vision instead. Those are kind of cool bikes too. It was on its third stator and the carbs had issues from the day I bought it. I've uh, always wanted a CX500 Turbo ever since. I am vicariously enjoying your purchase. Good luck with getting it back running. Could be a challenge as it's so complex, but so worth it. By the way, Emma was wrong. And he says, I know this is a very rare occurrence. Oh, I've got oh Emma's, oh. Emma's attention now. Yes. So he says, about a month ago, you guys were discussing an SL125 Honda. My first bike was a 1970 SL100, uh, bought new from South Bay Honda in Redondo Beach for $525. Nice! Emma said SL did not designate the dirt version. She stated XL. Wrong, he says. In the early 70s, Honda used CB for the street, CL for the scrambler type version, and SL for the dirt version. The SL100 Honda had a completely different frame and suspension from the CBs and CLs. Uh, he thinks it was a 73-74 that they started using XL for their dirt bikes. That sounds about right. It was there a you lot. Hmm. Let me just, and I just wanted to read that. By the way, Emma was wrong. I shall go home. I shall go. Oh, I'm already home. I'll go home and hang myself in the closet. Oh, no. With all my stilettos, darling. Thank you, Steve. Oh, no, no, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, it's, it's, that would be about right, the, the XLs. But mm. I always thought the SLs had lights on them as opposed to the dirt. But there you go. You yeah. Know? Uh, uh, I will agree. I thought that too. But yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Hey, it is what it is. Uh, I got one more. This one Hello, is Matt. this one is from Austin. Uh, he says, "Hey, Misfits, I'm a new subscriber and one of those returning riders who gave up my bike for about 20 years, and I really enjoy all your stories and your personalities." Uh, who are Missies? So he's back in the saddle and he's on a family heirloom, a classic PC 800 sport touring bike. He says, I've become much more... Wait, 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 wait. What? You know what that is, don't you? The PC-800. It's a Pacific coaster. Yes. Mm -hmm. The marshmallow exactly. bike. Yeah, the marshmallow. He says... Best bike in the world. I've become much more safety conscious since the last time I, I used to ride. Now I wear a full helmet, gloves, high-vis jacket, or an aero-stitch suit with armor and boots. Yeah, uh, so he says... Our, knee braces over the top for street riding what safety gear do you all wear and recommend for commuting and everyday riding good question oh, i oh. have a go for it micah to this um i 
love my Motoport pants. Um, they are, you can't just like buy a size off the website. You have to call them and tell them your measurements and then they'll pick out the size for you based on the measurements. Um, they're a little bit expensive, but I can literally take them off in like 15 <clears throat> seconds. Uh, it's just two big zippers that go up the crotch. Um, and I can, I, I can wear my normal jeans and stuff under it and they're super easy, super breathable. They, the pockets that are directly uh, on my hips have just are just a zipper so I can access my pants pockets. Mm. So when I get my keys in my pants, I can just grab them out of those little pockets. I think yeah. they're wonderful and they're a cool company. I really, really enjoy them. Every time I think, oh, hmm, maybe I don't want to put on my pants today, I can never give myself that excuse because they're so quick to put on. It's like, why would I ever well, ride without them? Yeah, I mean, they're basically kind of like an arrow stitch. But was he asking more specifically about knee brace, right? So he's asking, um, yeah, he said, are knee braces over the top? And just wants um, to know what gear we recommend for commuting and everyday riding. I don't think a knee brace is over the top. Um, I don't wear one. I don't own one. But they are a great way to prevent you from needing to wear a knee brace when you ride. Well, yeah. uh, Huh? I, I, I was just gonna say. Pads? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry yeah, my knee pads are kind of like knee braces, since mm -hmm. that they uh, they have an actual knee section and an upper and a lower, so they're articulated and they act kind of like a brace ish. So if like if you you find some knee pads that you don't think are up to snuff, find some dirt biking knee pads that are you know more anatomically correct and are fitted and um, are more. Uh, constructed for for vigorous movement i might help it out even better if you're doing more aggressive riding and you're more likely to crash and things like that like if you're riding dirt for instance yeah knee braces are great and for sure i can't suggest them enough because they prevent you from actually needing to wear a knee brace when you ride yeah and um i have the you know over or like over jean, like the dirt riding style. But then I also have some of the ones that are like knee pads, like what knock wears that I pull on underneath my jeans for when I'm going to do like, you know, a nice ride. If I'm not wearing anything on my knees, I feel so exposed. I'm very aware of it. And a lot of my pants will have the, the knee covers in. So the, the answer is, I mean, for us, we are all very much about at GAT. So we wear right. all, all the gears and there's no such thing as too much gear. And I'd like to point out, um, once again, even though this happened years ago, when um, one of our misfits, Mason, overheard uh, Stan talking about an accident he was in wearing an aerostitch style suit that gave out and exposed his elbow because it came through the vent. Um, and Stan said he was going to start wearing his dirt biking armor underneath. Mason said that sounds like a good idea because he had some put on his dirt bike uh, armor underneath his leather jacket that day ran into a van that ran out in front of him and did a somersault over a van on highway 17 landed on his back and they said, and he walked away from it and they said it was because of that extra gear he was wearing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he had back elbow, you know, right. shoulder, everything. And I think it's, it's always good to review what motorbiking gear does and then to understand what you're getting, because we talk a lot about, um, 
Kevlar stuff and Under Armour. And that is very, very good for abrasion if you're sliding down the road. But it does nothing for impact damage. And again, a thick leather jacket is great if you're sliding down the road and making sure that you don't stick your elbow through and grind off your elbow. Yeah. But it does nothing for impact, for being thrown on the ground. So that's where the armor comes in, and that's where things like knee braces come in. Mm -hmm. Because a knee brace, what it's doing is it's protecting your knee, but the bracing is actually keeping it in situ. Because armor is only effective if it stays where it should when you go down. If you're wearing shoulder armor and you chuck your bike away and it ends up halfway down your back, it's not doing your shoulder any good, is it? Right. Yeah. And it's important to have that fit you too. I mean, this yeah. is one of those things where you do have to kind of go to a brick and mortar or find an online place right. with a really awesome return policy or something. You know, you make sure it fits. Because well, ultimately, <laughs> if you're riding along and you're cold or you're wet or you're just plain uncomfortable, you're concentrating on that and mm -hmm. not the myopic bastard who's just about to pull out in front of you in a 25-year-old Ford Taurus. Mm -hmm. So the more comfortable you are, the more aware you are of your surroundings. So there's a lot of factors mm, going on here. And, and yeah, a lot of people wear the one-piece aerostitch style suits because it is a pain in the ass to put on all the individual things. And the fact that you can have a one-piece that you just slide on and it has all the armor and you could have your work clothes underneath um, is a great alternative if you don't want to do all the things. And yeah. it's comfortable, <laughs> so you're not all spazzy and, you know? Mm -hmm. The best gear is the gear that you'll wear. And my problem right. with mm. knee braces is that it's more uh, that it's more things to put on for each individual one. If you can get a pair of pants or something that has the armor in it that are super easy to put on, um, get those. And don't cheap out on gear. It will save your life. There you go. You heard it from Micah. What you got, Nock? I actually want to address one more thing that some people, for some reason, like to believe. And that's like that if you wear gear or armor or you're more protected as a rider, that you potentially are taking more risks and you're letting mm -hmm. your guard down because of the gear. I think that's bullshit. That's up to the individual person who uh, wears the gear and yeah. how to and how they approach problems in general. I mean, you got to realize that the gear is not... It'll protect you. It'll, it'll, it's harm reduction. It'll reduce your harm. But like, you still have to have, use your brain when you ride your bike. You know what I'm saying? So. Right. It, it's not like people put on a jacket and helmet and say, oh, I can throw myself down the freeway now. You know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And as I said, when I don't have all my pieces on, I feel exposed. And, and as Emma said, it can be somewhat of a distraction. So yeah, that, that was a good, exactly. good point, too. Well, yep. There you go. I think um, wear all the gear and um, let's see. Let's just recap. Uh, don't chop up your bike. Wear a mask. Avoid crowds. Uh, and wear all the gear. What did we miss? Crash. Eat your greens. And have give fun. It, and have give fun. it the beans. Give, give it the beans. Give it the beans, darling. <laughs> and have a lovely big poo every morning. Okay. And, uh, so, pro tip uh, making race weight. Is, is that 
most of the knee braces are medical grade, so you could maybe get your insurance to pay for them. Oh, good tip. All right, so here's where I'm just going to ask for it now. If you uh, attended Sturgis or would have attended that event and think that we are wrong, I want to hear from you. Send us an email at RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. Let us know what you really think. And yes, I'm sure we're going to get the people who think that we're being preaching about gear, preaching about safety, preaching about all that. That's okay. Go ahead. Tell me about it. You know who you're listening to. You can just turn it off if you don't like it. Or if you attended it and you regretted attending it, let us know. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. Throwing down. I think the bottom. Yeah, I think I've the crash a lot of motorcycles, and I like my gear. I think through all mm-hmm. these topics we just talked about, there is an underlying theme. It's be safe and be smart. Yep. Sure. That's it. Be safe and be smart. So uh, I think that wraps it up. Um, thank you, Misfits, uh, for uh, joining me again. I really, yeah. I can't wait to get you all back in this room. It'll be yeah. fun. Um, get the gang I, back I, together. Yeah, I, I feel like we got another five months, six months of this, unfortunately. But I don't know. I'm yeah. think about it. So we sorry. We could do it outside. We could totally do it outside. I mean, you know, have a, or just have a whole bunch of fans running in the room with the windows open. <laughs> Probably Why, like 10 of those HEPA filter fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Run them on high. Just spraying alcohol on everybody every 20 seconds. Yeah, that'll Shut work. Up! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Maybe maybe we'll do it in my backyard sometime. Or, or... Yeah. like uh, we do like on a Saturday, like midday. Well, we could do it. Maybe. Something. I don't know. We'll have have a lot of equipment set up. We'll, we'll think about it. But yeah. Let's just go to thank you, everyone, for listening and making it this far. Uh, Don't forget to go to RevSisters.com. Get your free ticket to the film festival and MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. You can send us an email through that. Um, Just click the contact us. And, yeah, send us some emails. We want more questions. Also, Emma and I are going to be getting ready to do another. um, Emma, I'm now officially calling it Dear Misfits. What do you think? No, I think that's a good name. Dear Misfits. That's a a good name. Send us your question that needs to be answered. We had a couple good ones. We would like some more. And you can send that to askthemisfits at gmail.com. And I'm I'm going to give a teaser to the next one because it's it's a subject that keeps on coming up. And we're going to talk about carburation. Yeah. Um, It's it's fucking black arts. Um, alchemy it is alchemy and i'm gonna talk you through it sorcery it is it is sorcery it's like hogwarts it's we're gonna transform the misfits garage into hogwarts um, you're a wizard um, now emma he's got yes. these, like tubes and shit and all of a sudden there's like a, a mixture of, of explosions or something we're gonna talk about Butterflies, we're going to talk about emulsion stacks, we're going to talk about needles, pumpers, clips, pumpers, and slide cutaways, yeah. and pumpers, pumpers. and pumpers. float heights. We're going to cover it all. And you will so use- if you don't understand carburation and you're confused by it, by the time I'm done with you, you will be a candidate for the rubber room. So, Emma, do you, are, are you in the same camp as uh, the Cleveland Moto guys that we don't need carburation, everything should be fuel injection? 
Oh, God, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, I am so... Oh. If you have ever ridden a, a properly set up carbureted bike, <clears throat> bear in mind, you've never ridden the RF900. It's a beautiful thing. There's a, there's a silkiness and a creaminess to carbureted bikes that is just so missing with fuel injection. Carburation is very, very analog. It's like a difference between listening to a vinyl record and a CD. The music's basically the same, but how it's delivered is very different. So, Emma, I don't, I don't know if you know this. I tried to ride your RF900 once. But I think to ride that bike, you need to wear the proper attire. So I got my Sinbad jacket and my hammer pants, but I couldn't get my legs over the seat in the hammer pants. Oh! Dude, you got to have the rat tail, too, the, the Sinbad rat tail. You got to that back, yo. Micah, Stop. do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Uh, I know what hammer pants are. Hey, there you go. <laughs> going to say, Stop. Have a time. <laughs> I haven't heard the word Sinbad. <laughs> I haven't heard the word Sinbad in literally ten years. Like no, but um, you know, there is carburation is a wonderful thing. Z-Rexes, you should ride a Z-Rex. The things are God, awesome. They are so bike. awesome, and they're yeah. carbureted. Is that a cross between a zebra and a T-Rex? Because yeah, that yeah. sounds fun. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, no, I, 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 I'm a huge advocate of carburation. I, I like it. All right. You so, know? thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. We love you. Hell yeah. And uh, thank you for everyone to making it this far. I think it's time to get out of here. This is Liza. Emma Dalek. Bagel. This is Doc. All right. <laughs> Harley and Micah. Yeah, and we are out of here. Go, go. Cool, cool. cool.